Is it working? I'm probably yeah. standing way too close to the mic, but we'll see. Sweet. Is it working? Yeah, there's my voice. Yeah. All right, Do cool. Do you want to like, move the mic closer? Yeah, I'm moving a little bit closer. Thanks for that. All right, uh, all right. Yeah, three, two, one. All right, guys. Welcome to the first podcast, the first episode. We'll, we'll edit that out. Welcome to the first episode of the Loose Cannon Podcast, <laughs> Welcome. guys. Welcome. Yeah. We're all together <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, nice. For the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been, you know, a little bit in the works, but I actually didn't think it would actually happen, but it's happening. We're, like, here in the recording booth. Super yes. neat. It's um, exciting. Um, yeah, let's start out just by talking a little bit about what the podcast is, just in case that wasn't clear in our trailer, and then uh, introducing ourselves. So, um, Brianna, you want to take it away with like a brief rundown of the Loose Cannon podcast? Yeah, sure. So in the Loose Cannon podcast, we're going to be talking about different pieces of fan fiction. And fan fiction itself, it's just um, creative product put out there by fans of a certain creative work. So oftentimes it's stories written by fans, or it could be even be art or music, anything like that, that is considered fan fiction. They're creating their own fictional universe based on already established media universe. Sorry, that's... No. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Um, but in this podcast, we're going to be... Um, examining and talking about a particular piece of fan fiction and talking about like why the author why we think the author wrote it what sort of need does it fill in that particular universe and then discussing the actual piece of fan fiction as well as seeing how it connects people and like why people read it and why it is such um, a quickly a fast-growing part of our society today Because it's really enormous. Like, I didn't realize how big it was until I started just browsing fanfiction.net. And can I also say this? For, for as big as fanfiction is, fanfiction.net might be the worst designed website I've seen in my entire life. Oh, yeah. It is nigh unusable. <laughs> it's so bad, I, I couldn't believe it. I, <laughs> it's a little tricky. I've typically used Archive of Our Own before, and it's pretty much the same layout. A lot of fanfiction yeah. websites are not very well designed. I just wonder, like, have they not figured out how to monetize this? Like, and so that's why they can't like hire people to actually design the website. I don't know. Maybe I'm di- yeah. maybe I'm digressing a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that was a great uh, that was a great little summary, Brianna. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, you've also got probably. I'm just gonna say this up front. Probably the best podcasting voice out of all of us. <laughs> Easily. It's e- my customer yeah. service voice. Really? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hands down. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, let, let's do a quick introduction then so that the uh, all of our listeners, you know, besides our family, so, so that they uh, know who we are. Um, do we want to start with uh, Caitlin? Yeah. Cool to start with you. Yeah, definitely. So I'm Caitlin. Caitlin um, with a T. With a T, Caitlin. Yes, and two N's in case you're wondering. Um, so I am an English major at BYU, and I'm... Um, in this podcast because I'm really interested in the world of fan fiction as well as the media that they're based on. Um, I'm more of a fan of, um, you know, the fandoms like Marvel, um, Supernatural, Stranger Things, Star Trek, and Star Wars is good too, but I'm more of a Trekkie. Um, So things like that are definitely where my interests lie in the fandom world. Sweet. Thanks, Caitlin. Malcolm, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. I'll go. So yeah, I'm Malcolm. I'm a... Arizona. I am a massive nerd. I'm probably most familiar with um, 
I guess you could, like, divide my nerd obsessions into, like, two categories. It's, like, the things that I'm actually, like, really familiar with and then the things that I have, like, really strong opinions about. Those, like, aren't, <laughs> they're not necessarily the same thing. So, like, the things that I like the most, um, I'm really a big fan of, like, uh, fantasy books, mainly, like, older stuff because I haven't been reading a whole lot recently, but, like, The Wheel of Time, if anyone's ever heard of it, it's just this, like, doorstopper of a series from the 90s. Just an absolute beast. So. It's, like, my favorite thing. Okay. Um... I'm a, I'm a huge into anime. I'll say it. Mm. I'll say it. I know it's going. <laughs> yes, on. And, uh, own it. And, I've recently um, been introduced to the world of anime. Yeah, it's. You know what? I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I. A lot of it sucks. <laughs> I mean, but that's how it is with yeah. everything, right? That's how it is, especially. I don't know. That's like kind of relevant. Or we're talking about fan fiction. A lot of fan fiction sucks. Yes. But um. Yeah, so I, I guess I could really talk about Star Wars. I can wax philosophical about <laughs> Star Wars. I can do the Wheel of Time. I can kind of do Lord of the Rings, but not really. Um, I got you covered, bro. Yeah. And then, I, and then I've got really... Nice. Have you, like, read the books and stuff? Have read you the books, seen the movies. Browse oh, the... You have, like, your nice. annotated version of the yes, Silmarillion dude. and stuff. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. I created, like, a family tree for the yeah. Silmarillion. Oh. I had to stop after, like, two pages. You but, know, you know, you know one, of my, one of my podcast ideas that I was going to pitch for this was actually a, like, self-help show, like Dr. Lara, mm-hmm. except... Instead of like using the scriptures to answer people's questions, we would be using the Lord of the Rings mythology and stuff. That was like one of them, and we would treat it yes. like scripture. But I, I didn't oh get around. Gosh. I didn't think anyone would like it. Oh, I think <laughs> it'd be hilarious. Another pitch. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, that's me. And then also uh, MCU. I can talk a lot about oh, yeah. the MCU. Although I'm not really sure how if I'm gonna be that interested in like the next phase with all like the TV shows and everything. Yeah, but yeah that's a whole different. I mean, there's a Loki TV show, so I'm down. Tom Hiddleston, <laughs> anytime. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna do that but it'll it'll be fun they'll work it out oh yeah all right brianna let's hear about you okay sweet so my name is brianna staten i'm also an english major here at byu i will graduate next year um i started getting into the world of fan fiction several years ago when i started writing my own i so i had grown up with the teenage mutant ninja turtles and i started telling these stories to my little siblings as we slept out on the trampoline at night and I would just tell them these stories that went on for, you know, like 45 minutes, an hour, and they would fall asleep to it. And it was awesome. I'm little just seven, by the way, so I have lots of little siblings. She's the least. Oh, wow. Yeah, but, but my um, siblings finally convinced me to start writing these things down because they wanted me to tell the same stories over and over and over, right? But then I noticed between a lot of my different stories that there was a common thread between each of them. And so I took, you know, a half dozen stories and created an overarching narrative based on one character. And I published it online, and it was awesome, which hopefully we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks. Uh, but that's kind of how I got interested in the world of fan fiction itself. As far as different worlds go, I love Harry Potter, I love Lord of the Rings, I love Star Wars, Star Trek, a lot of that stuff I can thank my dad for introducing me for, nice. introducing me to. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, movie watching was a huge part of my childhood, and so I got introduced to a lot of these different um, mediums that way, and it's... It's kind of cool. I'm really excited to be here and talking about it with you guys. Nice. That was a, like a legit origin story that you did. <laughs> I feel like me and Caitlin just kind of <laughs> like ran down. We're like, ah, yeah, this is the stuff we like. But like, I feel like in 20 years we're going to come back to this and we're going to be like, ah, yes, we saw it from the beginning. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. I don't know. I am writing a book right now, so maybe that's oh, just like what nice. my mind's into. Yeah. It's I fun. would also like to say I forgot to mention Harry Potter, but it's near and dear to my heart. I am a devout Slytherin. 
also a Potter fan. There wow. we go. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm a Hufflepuff. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm a former huge Harry Potter fan, but I've drifted with I just don't like read as much as I yeah. Yeah. used to. But uh, yeah. I feel like another thing that we should definitely mention is that Brianna is definitely the resident expert oh. in fan fiction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me and Caitlin, like, I don't know. My, my experience with fan fiction is like, literally the stories I read last night in preparation for this, which is the yeah. one we're going to talk about right now, and then another one where Peter Parker gets pregnant and uh, Iron Man delivers his baby. Whoa, so this wow. is this is all I've got. There this is go. all I've got to go on. Yeah, yeah. Warning yeah. to you, to all of you <laughs> listeners, there is some weird stuff out there. So hopefully we'll kind of yes. filter, filter it out, but there is some... Right. At any reading that you do, do with discretion. Let's right. just put it yeah, that we'll, way. Yeah, we'll be giving like content warnings and stuff yeah. like oh, yeah. that. If we talk about anything yeah. too sketchy. The thing today is pretty fine but yeah we'll get yeah. to that in a sec yes. but Kaylin what is like your prior experience with fan fiction yeah so I read a little bit um, mostly because when I was huge into Harry Potter I was definitely a fan of the Marauders more than anything else and we don't have a Marauders book as of now um, besides really the third um, Prisoner of Azkaban book so I wanted more of the Marauders world um, Sirius Black is like the love of my life <laughs> um, so I turned to fan fiction you know to just delve into the Marauders world. I've also um, read a little bit of Avengers fanfiction before just because I wanted to know more about like the backstory with Wanda and her brother and I feel like there could be fanfiction out there that took from the comics as well as the movies and could give um, some accurate stories from that. So I have a little bit of previous experience mostly when I was in middle school and high school but I'm definitely um, excited to get into the world of fan fiction again. Nice. Yeah, yeah Quicksilver definitely gets the shaft. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was so much cooler in the other movie that, uh, that isn't even a Marvel one, right? Uh, uh, Days yeah. of Future Past, that's what, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, all right, so well, yeah, well, let's... Do you want to go over the, the structure of our podcast really quick? Yeah, let's yes. do that real quick, for sure. Okay, awesome. So hopefully, at the beginning of each episode, we're going to give a little introduction and kind of recap what we've already said about fan fiction and just bring any new listeners up to speed. And then following that, we will um, talk about the, uh, the universe that we will be delving into, whether it be the MCU or Harry Potter or anything of that mm-hmm. sort, and kind of let you guys know the general overlook and where our piece of fan fiction fits into that world. In addition, we will also have a word of the day that talks about a fan fiction-specific um, word that may not be familiar to outside listeners, whether that be crossover or ship or OC or anything like that. We'll um, bring you guys up to speed so we can all understand each other as we talk and as you guys listen. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to you extolling to us the uh, differences between like an OC and like an OTP and like the, 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 the minutia <laughs> yeah. is what I'm most excited for. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, um, if our stories require any disclaimers, what, if they talk about something serious or that might be a trigger for somebody, we will definitely try and do that at the very beginning so you guys can know kind of what we'll be listening to um, and uh, choose what you want to listen to. We'll try and give you guys a warning there. And we'll summarize the story. We'll talk about our own uh, our own points of interest. We'll have a what the Oreo moment, something that really stood out to us. I should probably explain that a little bit, um, unless you guys want to. No, no you can. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yes. guess like the idea of it is that because we're we're not reading the fan fiction to trash on it. I think we should mm-hmm. make that very clear. Like oh, yeah. all the other podcasts that I've looked at, um, they're a little dismissive of it. Even the ones that like it, um, and we're going to be looking at it a little bit more differently. But 
I mean, that being said, it's still fan fiction, and there's still, like, wild, wacky stuff that's going to happen in it. And you just we just can't help but appreciate that yeah. as, oh, yes. an, as an in- oh, yeah. integral part of the genre itself. Yeah, there's always going to be a moment where you're like, what in the world just happened, or what did I just read? And we're calling that our what the Oreo moment. Yeah, trademark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So let's, do we just want to segue straight into the uh, word of the day then? Uh, the canon or fanon at the very end. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so... um, Hold on, hold on one sec. I just... Hold on, let's... Can we just, like... Can we just (laughs) cut? Because I cut off her explaining the end of the thing. So can you... uh, The end of, like, the thing. So can you just pick up again Mm -hmm. where you left off in the structure of the deal? Yeah. We'll just edit this out. Sweet. Sorry. And go. And then after our What the Oreo moment, at the very end of our podcast, we are going to decide if the piece that we read should be deemed canon or if it should remain fanon. That's our canon or fanon moment at the very end where we, our personal opinions, um, deem and try and decide if it should be made part of the universe or it should remain as it is as part of the fan fiction universe. Very cool. Very succinct. (laughs) Excellent work. Yep. Which transitions into our word of the day. Okay, so our word of the day is canon, um, which had its origins in um, the Christian Catholic um, world with the Bible, you know, whether or not it was part of the canon text. Um, and then in more modern day, um, it has been the word canon has been adapted um, with fictional worlds deciding whether or not something was officially part of that world um, per the creator's belief or whether it just was part of the fandom itself. So um, we're going to be delving into... Um, today the Marvel fandom and so we'll be talking about um, whether and like what is canon um, in pertaining to this story and um, you know what's canon in the MCU rather than the comics itself it's so yeah so canon it's C-A-N-O-N not C-A-N-N-O-N we're not like (laughs) setting off large explosive things in here don't worry guys we're safe although that would be exciting I would would enjoy that well not if I died Who's the composer that set off canons like in his work? ACDC, yeah. that's the one you're thinking of. ACDC. Yeah, you're, like thinking, an, you're definitely like thinking of ACDC. A classical composer. It is classic. It is classic. I know. The original Globe Theater burned down um, after a canon misfire during one of Shakespeare's plays. So that also happened. Fun fact. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and oddly prophetic. Oddly prophetic. Yes. Seeing, you know, as if <laughs> foretelling the nerd wars that would in, that would ensue in oh, yeah. modern culture as a result of. Yeah, just like, canon. what is canon? What yep. isn't canon? Yep, there we go. Yep. But we digress. Let's get back to the yes. back to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's definitely right. my weakness. Is the okay, sweet. So let's, let's talk about the MCU. Yes. Um, we pick off in this um, piece in, af- in the middle of Endgame. MCU is Marvel yes. Cinematic Universe, right. by the way. Yes. <laughs> so Marvel Cinematic Universe started with Iron Man, kind of. Um, we're... I mean, if you want to go back to the beginning, it was, you know, there were several Hulk movies. But yeah. we're starting with Iron Man in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. yeah. mid-2000s. Did you actually get into it, though, with Iron Man? Or what, when did you actually get into the okay. MCU, would you say? For me, it was when Captain America came out. Captain America is also the love of my life. Hot I stuff. Hot stuff. <laughs> yes. Best Chris, hands down. Oh, yeah. I have several Captain America action pictures figures as well as a cardboard cutout of Captain America and a cardboard cutout of the Winter Soldier. So I was definitely nice. more into Captain America when that started. So that's um, when I really entered the MCU as 
a huge nerd yeah. fan. So you're just done with the MCU now, I'm guessing. Spoilers. Okay. Spoilers, not spoilers. No. <laughs> I'm not done yet because I also, I love Doctor Strange too. That was something that resonated with me. And I feel like Black Panther, Spider-Man, they're all great. But Doctor Strange really stuck out to me personally. Um, and Benedict Cumberbatch is great, mm-hmm. you know. And the whole magic and martial arts, I thought that was mm-hmm. really interesting. So I yeah. think I'll continue um, mostly with Doctor Strange, but with the other mm-hmm. movies as well. Yeah, so so in the MCU, things like superheroes and magic and aliens are actual parts of people's everyday lives. So something that's cool about the MCU is that it's set in real time. So a lot of the movies you could watch on, we'll say like this, was in 2016, or this was in 2018 in New York City or over in India or something. It's very real and very tangible to a lot of people. Um, but people like Captain America that are, you know, like genetically enhanced or people like the Hulk that somehow got powers from gamma radiation or people like Doctor Strange that are borderline magical come into random people and like go to the go can go to a coffee shop and get coffee and everything like that. It's it's very real and very tangible. It's not very uh, separated mm-hmm. like other worlds like maybe Harry Potter or anything like that would be. And what I love about the MCU is that you actually, there are a lot of superheroes, but you don't have to have superpowers to be a superhero. So you have, like, Hawkeye and Black Widow, who in the MCU don't really have powers. In the comics, they, there is um, some confusion whether or not they have powers there, but in the actual MCU, they are just regular people who... mad set of skills. (laughs) ...are super talented. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Sweet. Uh, Anything else you guys wanted to mention before we transition to the piece? Mm, I think I'm good. Except that I just want to say that I was at the MCU from the very... I was, I was oh. here from the get-go. I don't want to be a hipster. <laughs> sure. But after Iron Man came out and there was the teaser at the end for the Avengers, I went back to school and I was like, hey, they're going to do the Avengers. And, and then, you know, the football players like beat me up behind the dumpster. Like, <laughs> but like... <laughs> 2008 was a long time ago. <laughs> oh. oh, no. But not holding a grudge or anything. Not holding a grudge. Totally not bitter. But, uh, yeah, anyway, let's move on to the piece then. Uh, Brianna, do you want to introduce this piece? Or I guess it would probably be better for Caitlin oh. since you chose the piece. Yes, I chose our piece today. So it's called Nothing But a Failed King with a Ghost Companion by Lodestar Jumper. So our piece focuses on Thor um, in the middle of uh, Endgame, and it goes to the end of Endgame. And or no, it's, it's pre-endgame, right? It starts out as pre-endgame. Yes. It mentions the like endgame happening and then talks about it a little bit after. I don't yeah. know how I missed that. Okay. It's, it's all yeah. good. Um, so, yes. spoiler alert, we will be probably briefly mentioning the events of endgame. So, yes. so prepare yourselves. It. Yes. Um, it's amazing, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't know. We have mixed opinions here in the booth. Yes. <laughs> not, not on this podcast. Not, not the time. Not the time. <laughs> So um, we chose this um, piece, or I chose it, because it actually brings Loki kind of back from the dead. Um, He appears as a ghost to Thor, and it um, delves into their relationship as well as Thor struggling um, with mental health issues after dealing with the loss of um, Asgard itself, the loss of his brother, and, you know, how he feels like he failed to kill Thanos. Yeah, so it really follows Thor's journey in between the end of Thor Ragnarok and the beginning of Endgame when we see him again. All this, just how many years have passed, what he's going through. Uh, we do want to put a disclaimer out there. This fan fiction does talk about um, some very serious mental health issues like depression, um, suicide attempts, attempts at self-harm. So it does get very serious. And we'll try not to dwell, to dwell on that too much, but in this fan fiction, it is an integral part of Thor's journey. So we will be talking about that a little bit. Right, yeah. Just yeah. a heads up if you were wanting to. Yes. You know, read it yeah. or whatever. But 
Here he comes. Do we want to take a quick break? Yeah, let's do Is it. Is that okay? Okay. I am so hot. Right I just don't know if I can talk for like 45. I'm like getting stressed Wait, out. Do I do stop? Yeah, just do stop. All right, okay. so... Yeah, this piece is called Nothing But a Failed King with a Ghost Companion, and it's by Lodestar Jumper. So, um, in this piece, it follows Thor's journey um, pre to post endgame um, and his deal, his issues with mental health. So, um, we see Thor in the beginning, he's being visited by um, the ghost of Loki. Um, and he, at first, he doesn't believe that it's actually Loki's ghost. He thinks he's just seeing things, you know, he doesn't think he's really in his right mind. But then as um, time goes on, he learns that it's actually Loki's ghost. He also um, gets more and more depressed. He has his kingdom. He actually um, gets deposed as the king um, because the council, Asgardian council, gets together. And um, tell him, they tell him he's too young to rule. Um, it's more that they don't think he's mentally fit to rule. Um, so he's deposed, and it causes him to be further depressed. Um, and it culminates with him attempting suicide several times. Um, the first attempt is with a gun, um, which actually he believes misfires. Then he learns that Loki um, puts the safety on, causing him to lose the ability to commit suicide. He later um, has um, attempts um, suicide with a knife. So he then Brunhild, the Valkyrie, um, kind of puts him in isolation and sets babysitters on him, and that's... Um, in this fanfiction interpretation, at least, that's why Korg um, and the other guy, <laughs> Meek. yes, Meek, um, they're there to really babysit Thor and make sure he doesn't injure himself. Um, it also talks about why, you know, Thor has such a scraggly beard, and that's because he's not a... Uh, allowed to have sharp Oh objects. man, the fanon explanation for his beard yeah. was like hilarious. I thought that was so funny was that they justified the beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so... Hey, could we, sorry, could we pause really quick? Yeah. I, if we are going to do such a detailed summary, I don't think I think that might be too detailed. I know, I was like... Yeah. Uh, just, detailed. just... Okay. Yeah, keep it to like a minute. A minute, okay. Cool. Yeah. Should we start at the beginning? Um, uh, just start from the plot. Or... Okay. Let's do the disclaimer before. Yeah, the that's what okay. I was like. Should I talk about this? We mm-hmm. haven't done the disclaimer. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, so how about you do the name and the author, and then I'll do the disclaimer, and then you can talk okay. a little bit more about the plot. Yep. Yeah. So the piece I chose for today is called Nothing But a Failed King with a Ghost Companion by Lodestar Jumper. Awesome. So this uh, this piece follows uh, Thor's journey in between the end of Thor Ragnarok and the events of Endgame. So spoiler, we're going to talk about Endgame a little bit. Uh, but we just wanted to put a quick disclaimer out there. This podcast does follow um, Thor's mental health throughout those few years where we don't see him in any of the movies. And it does talk about um, depression. It talks about some suicide attempts as well as attempts at self-harm, alcoholism, and a couple other um, potentially touchy sh- subjects. So if these are triggers for you guys, please just be warned and listen with discretion that this fan fiction and therefore we will talk about that um, at least briefly as we are talking about the, the piece itself yes so um, this piece starts out with Thor being very depressed you know Loki has just um, died and he just failed to um, really defeat Thanos before it was too late so um, it's kind of pre end game but then it um, continues on um, and he realizes Loki's ghost is real he originally thinks it's fake and then he tries to um, commit suicide after he has his kingdom taken from him by the Asgardian Council. Um, they rule that he is unfit to serve as king, so he loses his 
um, power as the king, and then he attempts suicide with a gun, and yeah. he just doesn't see point yeah. in life anymore. It kind of spirals downward from there. Yeah, he has lost everything, including his kingdom. So um, he deals with issues of self harm, and then um, he, at the end, it has him um, at Iron Man's funeral. Uh, sorry, guys, spoiler alert. Um, so and sad. He sees the ghosts of Loki. Um, Nat and Tony this time, so not just Loki's ghosts. Yeah, Ghost. So it does it does on a rather hopeful note. Um, but yeah, that's that's the piece that we're talking about today. Sweet. All right, Malcolm. What were some? What was something that you wanted to talk about in the piece? Well, I guess. <clears throat> I guess right, we'll we'll start with the. Uh, Let's let's start with like the characters and uh, how the characters and their relationships were portrayed. Yeah, she did, the, the author. We don't know if it's he or she did a really good job of deepening those relationships. I thought. Yeah. Yes. There was a lot of stuff with Thor that I thought was like actually legit. Like for example, let me pull out like my note. Let me pull out my notes here. <laughs> there were like a couple really cool lines. Like for example, at one point. Um, Thor is, you know, wallowing in depression. And he makes this note where he says, if Asgard survives, so do I, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is super interesting, because, like, the movies have always played it off that Thor is the only hope for Asgard. Mm-hmm. You know? And to turn that relationship on its head and show that Thor is actually the one who's dependent on Asgard for a purpose was mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah, yeah, that comes into play later after Thor loses um, his, his right to rule. He sees no purpose in his existence anymore because that was very much... That was what he was doing. That was what he was doing to cope with everything that happened between losing his family and failing to kill Thanos. That was the one thing that he could rely on. Um, so yeah, it, it was really interesting to see how the character development of Thor as a person was really deepened by this fan fiction. That was something that I really, really liked. Yeah. Um, because all of a sudden, his his depression is not just this comical thing that we see in the movie. It's very real and very relatable. Right, because talking to you guys before we started recording, right, you were saying that, and I agree as well, that his portrayal in the movie wasn't exactly the best. Like yeah, they it wasn't kind very of, sensitive. Right, it wasn't yeah. very sensitive. They play it off for laughs. He's just playing Fortnite, which I thought was hilarious. But, <laughs> you know, was... there was definitely a place for this take on the story. Yeah. You know, there was definitely a niche that the story is oh, filling. Because yeah. I feel like we've always had Thor movies besides Thor Ragnarok that have been very serious, or at least Thor himself seems very serious, and Loki's more the funny guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Endgame, you know, Thor takes a very comical perspective and he's more there for laughs than to be the great god um, of thunder, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I loved reading um, this fan fiction. I feel like it helped to place Thor again in that serious kind of godly way that we'd seen him previously, although um, we see him at his lowest, lo- lowest, his most vulnerable, and so it's an in- interesting juxtaposition with him being, like, serious and godly versus you know, very vulnerable. Right. Yeah. One one thing that I do, another note that I made about the characterization of Thor was actually, you just brought it up, it's when he has lost everything and he's hit rock bottom and he's like puking over the toilet or something. Oh, and yeah. He, yeah. And he makes this comment to the ghost of Loki and he says, um, like, oh, I've lost my kingdom and everything. And then he says, I was supposed to dot, dot, dot. And then it ends there. Right. And I thought this was really cool because... Like, this was really meta. I feel like a lot of people who watched Endgame were like, no, this isn't how it was supposed to go. Like, mm-hmm. Infinity War, not being able not being able to kill Thanos aside, is, like, really triumphant 
for uh, for Thor. And then mm-hmm. the end of Thor Ragnarok sees him like becoming the god of thunder mm-hmm. and be a king. And then Endgame just kind of it seems like it just throws a lot under the bus. And I feel oh, like yeah. a lot of people were disappointed in that. And to have him be there and be like, I was supposed to, you know, in parentheses, be something else. This wasn't how it was supposed to go. I thought it was really neat. Yeah, I definitely agree. I um, had the, it, my issues with Endgame, you know, undoing everything that Ragnarok had done. But I feel like that is something that we got back in this fan fiction. You know, we got back Thor's um, need to be the king, his, you know, feeling of responsibility for the Asgardians, as well as his need to prove himself worthy to his father and his brother who both passed on. You know, they're both dead, but he still feels that need to prove himself worthy. And I feel like that's something that is very Thor-like in its essence. Yeah. So do you guys think that after having read this portrayal of Thor, is this going to affect at all the way that you guys see Thor in in Endgame? Because I think this is a legitimate question. Because I think having read this, it's very possible to, and I think it's a legitimate response to just watch Endgame exactly the same. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, like... But, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, does it... Do you guys think it's actually going to change anything? So I, I think so. I, I like to to remember these stories when I am watching the movie. So mm-hmm. side note, this author got the whole idea for the story by imagining um, what if Korg and Meek had not like voluntarily chosen to stay with Thor? What if after Loki's death and after everything that had happened, Thor was just living by himself and you know getting into a worse and worse mental state? And then for his own safety, after... Uh, Thor attempts suicide and attempts self-harm, Valkyrie, or uh, Brunhild, as she's called in this one, says, listen, uh, Meek and Korg are going to stay with you for your own safety. They're going to protect you from yourself. And so now if I, if I go back and watch the movie again and I see them, you know, like playing video games and Thor just in the crazy state that he's in, you know, with, with his beard and everything like that, I'm definitely going to imagine what this story had written. Because yeah. I, I think it's... I, it adds depth to his character and, and depth to what he's going through in that moment. Yeah. Right. Well, it's one thing, you know, to, like, watch Endgame and be like, man, I bet this guy's been through some stuff. And then it's another thing to have seen someone's take on what that stuff was and now have an image that you can project right. onto those moments, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a moment in Endgame, and it's right after we see Fat Thor for the first time, and then there's a moment where they mention Thanos and he, like, tears up he gets really serious and that was so weird for me in the movie because I was like we're trying to laugh at him and then all of a sudden we're like crying over how hard it's been and so I think that this fan fiction definitely helps pull that together you know give us more of that serious Thor and make that moment where he starts crying not so out of the blue you know it makes it feel more into place than it would yeah yeah absolutely all right sweet yeah. So Loki also makes an appearance. Yes. yes. He's, a, he's he is, a pretty prominent character. Yeah, he's like probably 1A in main yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I um, debated over Loki's, you know, characterization in this a bit. Um, because I feel like we're missing a little bit of that snark. Well, at yeah. first there's the debate of is this even real or is oh. this is this even actually Loki or is this like Thor's projection of Loki? Uh, but then we find out it's yeah. actually Loki. And then, yeah. Um, I actually thought characterization was pretty all right. That's a yeah, it was pretty good. So to give you guys some some context, um, the story starts off by explaining that Thor has been having these visions almost or dreams of 
Loki's figure like sitting on the couch or sitting on the bed or just standing in the kitchen and he tries to talk to Thor but um, Thor assumes that he, it's he's just hallucinating because he misses Loki so much um, come to find out it is actually the I don't know the spirit or the essence of Loki as a person coming back from from the afterlife to try and help Thor through this really really hard time um, which becomes an important part in their relationship as brothers as, as we'll see oh, later yeah. on Definitely. There's a moment, actually, where before he knows that it's actually Loki, where Thor says, no, you're not, you know, real. You're never here because Loki wouldn't care to be. So I think that um, Thor still has this image of Loki that he wouldn't care about Thor. You know, he wouldn't care to come back and be a ghost just to take care of Thor in his lowest moment. And I think that that's a very interesting take on their relationship, especially since we saw them, like, you know, hugging at the end of Ragnarok and, like, Mm -hmm saying, you know, the sun will shine on us again. I think that they were closer than ever, but losing Loki caused Thor to lose, um, like, his impression of that closeness. You know, he didn't think that Loki would care about him enough to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's suddenly interesting. Um, So, one thing that I thought... Was there anything else you wanted to say, Caitlin? Yeah. Also, one one thing that that I really liked that we've kind of talked about is this fan fiction's representation of mental health. And that was something that I think struck each of us. And we'll, we'll, I suspect we'll talk about it a little bit more as we get to our What the Oreo moment. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> but just seeing something so relatable, especially in our modern society, you know, we're being, thankfully, we are becoming more aware of mental health and the realities mm-hmm. of mental health and depression and anxiety and how it affects more people than, than we thought or originally gave credit to. And this, uh, this fan fiction applies that very personal and applicable part of our society to a beloved character. And so all of a sudden we see somebody that we've probably looked up to for years and years in the movies dealing with something that we have dealt with. We're seeing him deal with loss. We're seeing him deal with depression, with feeling overwhelmed. And those are very human traits that each and every person, each and every reader, each and every fan of the MCU can relate to. So I think the fan fiction did a fantastic job of bringing that bring that real life aspect into an otherwise fantastical universe. Right. Well, and this really isn't too out of character for the MCU, honestly, because even though this is the emotional stuff, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you were like, the MCU heroes, they're like having coffee in coffee shops and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're out and about. They're on the ground level. Mm -hmm. And so even though this stuff doesn't exactly come up this strongly in the movies, to have it represented in fan fiction feels pretty natural. Yeah. It feels very natural oh, yeah. that Thor would have, you know, maybe not these exact moments, but still like an extremely low low after everything that he's gone Oh, through. yeah, absolutely. As I was reading it, I was totally imagining the actual characters in the movie, like mm-hmm. doing it as if they right. were, as yeah, if they were being definitely. filmed. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I guess if we're going to just segue straight into the, uh, yeah. the, 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 mental, the mental health stuff and its depiction of mental health, because I think... We, there's a lot to talk about here. Do we want to just go straight to the, the scene with the gun? Yes. We just want to go straight to the suicide attempt? Yeah. Because that was because that was something else. It, I definitely was not expecting it. It was very striking. Yeah. Yes. So, Malcolm, do you want to explain what actually happened in that scene? Yeah, sure. So, like, the scene is pretty simple. Like, it's fairly standard. Again, and that's, that's going to be the point of this, basically, is that it's a very standard, like, the scene starts with him looking in the mirror... He's in front of the mirror, and he's holding the gun to his head. And he's been there um, for 20 minutes, For twenty minutes, he mm-hmm. says. 
Um, and he ends up actually pulling the trigger. It's heavily implied, and the, and the gun misfires. Mm-hmm. Although it's implied, heavily implied, that the ghost of Loki um, stops the bullet, saves his brother's life. Yeah. And it's pretty short. It's not, like, super huge. No. Yeah, it's only a couple lines long. Right, but this, like, really was very disturbing for me. More so than any other, like, suicide attempt scenes that I've seen. I mean, I saw, like, 13 Reasons Why. That was pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. But I might edit that out. But, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was very disturbing for me in a way that other scenes that are staged similarly are not. Mm-hmm. Um, to, yeah. Yeah, why was, it, why was it so strange for you? Oh, okay, I'll just keep you on then. So, yeah, it was, and, and I think that was because it was Thor. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that this is, like... A very standard scene that almost most people have become numb to, Mm -hmm. but is being overlaid on an intellectual property that I have deep emotional ties to. Mm -hmm. And seeing Thor hold a gun was very bizarre. Mm -hmm. It was, like, very out of body, almost. Mm -hmm. Because in the movies, they never hold firearms, right? That's not how they do it. Um, And it was... I mean, I hate to say that it was unnerving and disturbing again, but it really was. And it was because... It was Thor. If yeah. it hadn't been Thor, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have had the effect that it did. Yeah. And I was very struck by the choice of weapon too. Like you mentioned, it's a gun, and it's Thor holding a gun, which we don't really see ever. And at first, I was like, "Well, why doesn't he just use a hammer?" But then it's like, Thor is now in this fishing town in actual Norway because he doesn't have Asgard anymore. So he's trying to kill himself with a weapon that is very human. Mm-hmm. And I think that it puts Thor in a human light, but then it's also like this is, you know, a god who's killing himself with a gun. Um, and it, I think it made it very relatable, and that's what yeah. was striking about it to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, just, I don't know, a political caveat. We're not trying to say anything about gun control or anything like that. It was just part of the story. Right. So it, that, that's where my mind is. Right. Well, it would be like if, like, I watched an episode of Dora the Explorer, and Dora pulls out, like, an AK-47. I'd be like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> Like, what the heck is going on here? You know, the, they don't use guns. It was just so striking. Yeah. It was so striking. And it really just, um, it really just is a testament to a unique power that fan fiction has. Oh, yeah. In leveraging these characters mm-hmm. that people actually already care about. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we should definitely talk about that again towards the end is, like, why do people write fan fiction? Why did this person write it? Why, why is it so important especially in our in our society today. So that's yes. awesome. All right. Um, should we go to our what the Oreo moment? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, I think we discussed our what the Oreo moment has to do with when Thor is losing his kingdom. So Malcolm, do you want to... Is that all of ours, though? Um, or does somebody... Because that's definitely mine. You know, I thought we each had our own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mine was, mine was the gun scene. <laughs> Because I was, yeah, my, so my what the Oreo moment was when Thor does try to kill himself with a gun, mostly because I was like, is this a weapon that Thor would use? But I was also, I was dealing with issues where he's talking about the kingdom and he has to live for the kingdom, even though if it's going to kill him, like he has to do his best to be responsible for his people and he loses that. So he goes to kill himself. But for me, Thor would never be the kind of person who would stop trying. Mm-hmm. And he's only stopped from killing himself, well, like it's implied, by Loki putting the safety on. Mm-hmm. But I'm still conflicted over whether 
like even if Thor was suicidal, whether he would do it even when he still has a sense of responsibility for his people. Mm-hmm. Maybe in my mind, maybe Thor would commit suicide after the last Asgardian is dead, but I don't think that he's at that point yet for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, so mine, I guess, was more of a, um, I don't know if you would say meta, but, like, after I finished reading it, I started making all of the connections in my head. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. thinking about those scenes in Endgame where we do see Thor, you know, like, with the beard. And in the story, Thor has a beard because um, Korg takes away his razor after he tries to hurt himself. And so he's literally not allowed <laughs> yeah. to trim the wildness that is Grow, oh like growing on his face, and that's why we see him with the beard. That puts such a dark a spin on the beard. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, but yeah, it's just really. I started making those connections where Thor all of a sudden had a whole deep story that you could go back to and reflect on as you're watching the movie. And also, as we were talking about the importance of him, like important in this character arc of him losing the right to rule yeah. his kingdom, I all of a sudden thought of how taking that into account of how monumental it must have been to him to give up reign to Valkyrie at the end of Endgame. Oh, yeah. Because all of a sudden, you know, this integral part of who he is and who he understands himself to be, his purpose in this entire existence, he realizes that he there's more to him than just ruling Asgard. And so as I'm thinking about that scene where he gives the right to rule over to Valkyrie officially and she takes over as the queen of Asgard... It just added a whole new layer of meaning, and I, I loved it. That was my my positive what the Oreo moment as I was mm-hmm. reading this. Nice. Just the, the amount of connections that this story made yeah. for me was incredible. It was oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah, it was neat. Um, yeah, mine would be the fact that he, like, loses his kingdom at all. Because, I don't know, I just kind of, like, watched the movie, and I just thought that... He, it just seemed to me that the way it had gone down was that Thor was a broken man, mm-hmm. and he's holed up in his like apartment playing Fortnite, and <laughs> and Valkyrie just kind of like shifts into the position of power as he shifts out of the spotlight, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the Avengers, you know, he leaves and because because she's like come back and he's mm-hmm. like no I'm not gonna come back second mm-hmm. this job like you're mm-hmm. good at this job right mm-hmm. and so the fact that it was that this author decided to make it like this official decree and then the fact that the reason they give him at the very beginning is that the reason that they're kicking him out is because he's too young to be king their surface reason that was that was a surface but still and then it the fact that and the, but then the fact that Thor then goes wait I'm not too young the law states that I can rule if I'm 25 Earth years old, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's like, why would you govern your law based on Earth, Earth time? Years, yeah. <laughs> but like, Loki ruled for four years, and you knew that he was underage, but you didn't say anything to him. And he yeah, was declared right. mentally insane while he, like, he had been declared mentally insane and still ruled. Yeah. It was just, like, a very bizarre justification where, like, none was necessary. Yeah. Where you could have done... I mean, if I was looking more critically at this piece, I guess, like, as a a narrative thing, I think it would have been more impactful to just have him watch Valkyrie being, like, taking charge and then him just feeling extremely guilty that that's not him, that someone else is doing it. Okay. But but anyway, the age thing... I died. I died. Yeah. Overall, I thought this was a good read, but that was too much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. Um, so let's, we're going to wrap up by making um, our final closing thoughts on the fan fiction and how it connects people um, across the MCU and also just people in our society. And then we'll try and decide if this should be made canon or if it should remain canon. 
Yeah, so I loved this fan fiction, um, mostly because I thought um, it covered subjects that I never would have related to Thor, um, and I loved that we got to see the depth that we are missing, and I think that that's the role it filled, um, the fan fiction itself filled, is that it gave the fandom the depth that we were missing from Thor in Endgame, and that I loved that, I'm probably most about it. I also loved that we got to see more of you know, Thor's relationship with Loki, because at times in Endgame, we were, like, debating, you know, what was the reason, like, there were lots of reasons that he was so broken, but I think that this took it more towards, like, losing his brother, as well as losing his kingdom, and I, I liked that a lot, um, so for me, I will vote yes, it should be canon. Well, and that comes later. Oh. That comes later. Okay. That's a tone that gives me after it. Uh, I, we can do it either way. Okay. Yeah, we can cut it out, do it later, take a vote. Okay, Malcolm, do you want to go next? Well, if we're going to talk about the need that this thing fills, right, within the MCU fandom and within the people, within the community of people who are writing fan fiction, I think it's really important to, I think we have to talk about the fact that straight, right out of the bat, like, there's an author's note that says that this is written for people like, you know, who are struggling with mental illness. Yeah. Right. And so like the fact that this fan fiction doesn't necessarily even serve a role like that this fan fiction wasn't even really written with like fitting into the canon in mind. Like that is almost like totally secondary. Um, Like the, just that the fanfiction community would be so supportive. I don't know. It, it seems like this is honestly a place where people go because they feel like they have people who understand them, right? And there's and there's so much, like, niche stuff in fanfiction. And, and so many people talk about, like, the crazy niche stuff. Mm. But there's also this stuff. Like, if, you're, if you need to feel like somebody else knows how you feel, you can go to fanfiction for that. And I oh, thought yeah. that was really interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with both of what you guys, what you both have said. I think it's definitely, um, it's almost a, a characteristic of fan fiction to allow that connection between people. I mean, that's why people create this stuff in the mm-hmm. first place, is to connect, to get their ideas out there, and to see what others think about them. Because if they wanted to create this and just keep it to themselves, they don't have to publish it, and then they have their own little... Um, that they could draw on, but they purposefully share it with other people, so they're tr- actively trying to make those connections. And this this fan fiction does a great job, just like Malcolm and, K- and Caitlin were saying, of connecting not only to the MCU fans, but also to people struggling with mental illness and mental struggles like that. But I, I think a question we should, why fan fiction? Yeah. Why, why, did the, why do we think this is effect, as effective or, or more effective as fan fiction than it might have been otherwise. Yeah. I think that's something that we need that we should discuss. I think that it is interesting um, the way it's you know written instead of written instead of like as part of a film. I think it's very accessible as fan fiction. You know the websites are free and they are published um, and there are lots of different reasons people write fan fiction. Um, like we've talked about, you know, it fills a need in the fandom or it helps people, you know, when they're going through something to be able to relate to characters that they love. Um, and I think that it was writ- written um, and like we have fan fiction 
because there is so much connection to these fictional worlds and these characters um, that it needs to be expressed. And like Brianna said, it also connects us together when we publish it. So I think it's very um, important and integral to the development of fandoms as well as um, finding a place for yourself within the fandom. Yeah, yeah it's, it's more familiar and more friendly than mm -hmm. if you had seen it on a movie screen in the theater. This is much more personal, I think. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, and I also think there's an element of, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like if I was a, if I was a, I don't want to generalize here and say <laughs> that all people reading fan fiction are teenagers, but I'm going to say, like, if I was a teenager, which is probably when, if I was going to get really into fan fiction, that's probably when I would have done it, mm -hmm. right? And I would have read just, like, a short story about someone struggling with mental illness. I don't think I really, I don't think it would have gotten to me as much. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. something about, like, there's something about seeing characters and that you really care about. And in this case, like, are superheroes. And they are literally doing the thing. Like, maybe not the thing that you're doing, but if you're a teenager... I'm going to cut that out. But, like, <laughs> if you've been, like, really depressed and you've had, like, you know, thoughts about, you know, the stuff that... Mm -hmm. like, I, I, I've been there, mm -hmm. right? And you can... You can project... You can, like, imagine... But instead of you and your imagination, it's Thor. Yeah. And you're Thor. Mm -hmm. You know? And if you're Thor, like, you can do it. And, and, and there's, a, there's a level of connection that I think can happen because these are other people's characters that can't happen if it was just a story. Especially if you're in a position where you can only feel an emotional connection through literature and pop culture oh, yeah. which like i've definitely been at that point right there's like times that there's there's people who like get to that point where they're like i can't feel connected to other people and i don't know how to connect to other people and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to look to movies and books and i'm going to immerse myself in this to try to learn how to do it yeah right and for someone who's doing that i feel that honestly this fan fiction stuff amateur writers communicating with each other through the shared medium of this common obsession that they have is really the best way to do it, right? Yeah. I don't know, I rambled a little bit there. No, I agree, and I think that lots of people, you know, express themselves with different mediums, like we talked about, you know, literature as fan fiction, there's also fan art, mm -hmm. um, and like music and songs that are written in response to this, and I think that it does for, um, for a lot of people, it does have that catharsis effect where it helps us get out our emotions through these characters that we love. Um, and I think that fan fiction is a great way to um, start writing, you know, if you're into literature. Um, it's a great way to develop characterization and um, kind of dialogue. I think it, fan fiction itself is a developing art, but I definitely think that it has a place within the art community. And I think that it is um, vital to the continuation of fandoms as well as, like, pop culture and media, how it's going to develop. You know, you want to produce media that's going to get a reaction like fan fiction. You want something that fans will love enough that they will, you know, respond to it with literature and with art. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And there's also the added benefit of fan fiction as an outlet because, like, the hardest part about writing is trying to come up with what to write about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But fan fiction takes that out of the equation. Yeah. You're writing, <laughs> right, you're writing about, you know, these characters that you know. You're writing about a world that you're familiar with. 
And so when you already have that out of the way and you need to vent and you need to get something off your chest and express something, it's just an extra hurdle that's been removed from yeah. your way. And you can jump into fan fiction and it can do that for you. Yeah, exactly. I think those are those are awesome points. I mean, between fan fiction as a way to live vicariously through the characters, uh -huh. kind of like what both of you were saying, if, if Thor can overcome depression, then maybe I can too. That sort of whole mentality. Right. It enables people to connect and to experience things um, through a different through a different medium. And I think it's it's very empowering. It's very connecting, and it's it, it's a developing art. Like I'm saying, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Is there anything else you guys wanted to say, or shall we move on to our last little segment here? No. Basically, yeah. Basically, just that. Good for me. Yeah. I, I think. think this piece was really well written, so um, thank you for sharing that with us, and we loved um, discussing it. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, let's have our, our last little part here. Let's decide if it should be made canon or fanon. Caitlin, what do you think? Yes, so I vote yes um, for most of it. There are certain parts that I think could be developed differently, um, but I love, as a whole, the characterization of Thor and Loki and their relationship, as well as Thor's journey with mental illness. I think that it added definitely added to Endgame for me, and it made me feel more secure in the Thor that we see in Endgame, so I would consider this canon. Alright, that's one vote for canon. Malcolm, what do you think? You know what, I'm going to say not canon, I'm probably gonna, and I'm probably going to say not canon on a lot of these, maybe a <laughs> lot more than you guys. I'm going to say not canon. There was a lot of things that I really liked. I didn't get around to talking about there was this really cool moment where Thor complains about the fake eye that he has, and no. it doesn't fit. <laughs> And it was really cool. Like, it was actually, I thought, really well done. Because, like, the eye is how he sees the world, you know. And his perception of the world and his perception of himself have been warped. And, it, mm -hmm. like, there's, there's friction there. Like, literally. And mm -hmm. anyway, I thought that was super cool. And there's a lot of stuff like that. But there's, you know, there's enough other stuff. And I actually, you know, like most fan fiction, I thought it was, like, okay written. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it was tolerably readable. <laughs> but I would, I wouldn't recommend. I would recommend it, but I wouldn't say it's like a must read. So I would, but I would, so I would say, okay. I would say Fanon. Yeah. Fanon. All right. And then for me, I, I loved the character development that it added to Thor. Um, there are definitely some elements that I would take out if it were actually made into canon. Um, but overall, I would vote that it should become canon simply for the reason that it adds depth to Thor in between Ragnarok and Endgame. All right. So that's two out of three. So, Gosh dang it! <laughs> you know, you know, I saw this coming. I saw it coming. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm upset. <laughs> it, it's great. So nothing but a failed king with a ghost companion companion is now canon. According to us, to us, it's not yes. actually canon yet. No, it would be great if it was. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been uh, Loose Canon with Malcolm, Caitlin, and Brianna, and we're excited to see you guys on the next episode. See you next time. Okay, so let's...